Let's turn to Acts 21 today. Acts 21. Now, I'm sure no one is watching the clock but me. According to this, I get four extra minutes, according to my iPad. We'll see where we go with this. Maybe we won't need it. Acts chapter 21. And uh, I would like to just not read all the way down to the text that I'm going to be looking at. We're going to focus in on one phrase, the will of the Lord be done, and verse 14. But we have to have some context. And so if you look at the beginning of chapter 21, you'll see that they have just left the elders at Miletus in Ephesus, and uh, they, the Ephesian elders who met, met Paul there. And uh, you can see they had a kind of a long goodbye and if you don't see it in the text, it's really there. Uh, it's kind of like we do in the South. When I lived down there, you'd say goodbye at the house, and then you walk to the porch and say goodbye, and they'd follow you, and you walk to the driveway, and you keep saying goodbye, and you'd get in the car, and whoever was there, if it was you or whoever, uh, they're following the car out the driveway saying goodbye, and pretty soon you are totally worn out by the time they are by, okay? So... There's a little bit of that happening, and it happens again in the text uh, a little bit later, uh, where the believers follow Paul. They just can't let him go, and that's what's, that's what's happening here. But that's not the point of the story. We, the point of the story is, is that from there, Paul begins his journey toward Jerusalem, and he stops you know, in each place on a daily basis, stays overnight by ship, and he gets on, and he, he continues uh, his journey. Let's pick up in verse 4, and find, finding disciples, that's entire, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem through the Spirit. That is, I think without question there, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit saying, do not go up to Jerusalem. And I emphasize that for a reason, because you're going to see, uh, we kind of have a little bit of a problem text we're going to have to deal with. And when we accompanied, uh, we had accompanied those days, we departed and went out away. And they brought us on our way, there we go, they provided for us, uh, with wives and children, till we were out of the city, and we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. So here again, uh, they're helping them along their way, and they're going with them uh, to the place of the shore. And when we had taken our leave uh, uh, one of another, we took ship, and they returned home again. And when we had finished uh, the course from Tyre, we came to uh, Ptolemy and uh, saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. You'll have to excuse me. For some reason, I'm not able to focus right now. And the next day, uh, we that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with them. And the, and the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. That's a whole other message. And as we tarried, uh, there are many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, uh, he took Paul's girdle or belt and bound his, his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Lord, uh, thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. 
Now, I'm going to get ahead of my story here just a little bit because I want you to see the problem. You're not to go, and now this prophet says, this is what's going to happen. You know, if this is what's going to happen, that it kind of implies that you're going to be there. You get it? Okay, so we've got to figure out what's going on. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, The will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we took up our baggage, our and uh, carriages, and they departed. Okay, uh, so here's the story. If I were to title the message, I'd entitle it, The Will of the Lord Be Done. Uh, but we're going to look not only at knowing what the will of the Lord is and how to evaluate that, uh, but how to actually give advice and counsel on doing the will of God. How do you receive it? How do you give it? And we see that, uh, I believe, in our text. We should all welcome godly advice. It can be a wonderful thing, but if you give the wrong advice or receive the wrong advice, it can be disastrous. And bad advice is available cheaply and freely in in many places today. And in fact, uh, you'll get a lot of unsolicited advice. When I came to Maranatha, uh, they said, is it really hard to be the president of Maranatha? I said, no, not really. I said, there are people all over the country, parents and pastors and so forth, that call me and tell me exactly what I need to do. All right? So I, I, it's not that hard. There's, there's plenty of people advising. Uh, back in my early days of church planting, uh, we were in a rented building. Uh, we were going through the winter. They had radiator heat like in Old Main, and, uh, and it got really hot because the school system uh, didn't turn off the heat. And this was an old part of the building. This is an old building, and so... Here it is. It's getting hot out in Tennessee. The room is boiling. And uh, I'm asking a guy if he could kind of look and see if there's a way that we could turn that heat down. And so a guy had experience in plumbing. And, you know, he, that's dangerous. He wasn't a plumber. He had experience in plumbing. And so he went over and he looked at it. He says, Pastor, I don't think we should mess with this. This is old stuff. And I said, well, David, don't you think we ought to at least try? Okay, Pastor. And with one turn, water was spewing everywhere uh, throughout the room, okay? And so, you know, I gave bad advice. But, of course, pastors know everything, and so I expected he would do it, and he did, and that was the result. He received bad advice. There was great consequence on that day. In this chapter, Paul gets, is given advice twice. Uh, and we didn't look at the second time. The second time is debatable about when he uh, goes in, purifies himself, and goes into the temple. Uh, and there's questions about whether uh, that was the right thing or the wrong thing to do. I, purpose, or I personally think it was the right thing to do, and it, it, it got him closer to Jerusalem, believe me, and got him a free ride uh, eventually to Rome uh, as a result. It wasn't a mistake when Paul appealed to Caesar. I don't believe that. I believe he did within his rights, and it was the thing to do. And again, God used that to get him there. But what about this? 
What about this advice that he's getting uh, from these well-intentioned people uh, that through the Spirit say, don't go up. And then from Agabus, who gives the story, this is what's going to happen to you if you go up there. And uh, is that that good advice? Was that advice given so it would change his direction, change his course, change his decision, or change the will of God? We're going to see that. I think upon closer examination, we find all of these decisions to be in God's will. Paul, after he got saved, Acts chapter 9, if you go back to Acts 9 and verse 15, it says that he's going to proclaim the gospel before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. How's he going to do that? Well, God's going to cause him to suffer greatly, uh, the next verse says. And so it says here, verse 14, the will of the Lord be done. May I submit to you that God's will isn't always known? In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, uh, Paul is praying for them uh, that, they, that they might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That they might be filled means that there's a lack. Uh, there's something that they need to understand. They need to grow in the knowledge of the will of God. We can go to many verses. And God's will is not always obeyed. Anybody that's ever prayed, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, knows that God's will isn't always done on earth as it is in heaven. Perfectly in heaven, but not always fulfilled perfectly here on earth. We'll look at that maybe a little bit more carefully in a minute. The Apostle Paul was a man that needed to grow in the grace of God like anyone. You say, was he a great Christian? Absolutely great Christian. Uh, was he a wise man in the Lord? Did he have great knowledge in the things of God? Absolutely. Uh, but I can assure you, he wasn't God. And until we come to know the place of eternity, when we're with him, we need to grow in God's grace. We're going to need, need to ask God for wisdom and Council of God's people is going to be important, and the direction of our local church factors in to the direction that we may take. So, what was Paul's relationship to the will of God? Well, it was his purpose, his driving purpose. Here we have a man that's driven to fulfill God's will, and uh, he's planning all of this. You know, he didn't just say, okay, I'm going to go out and preach to the Gentiles. I'm going to walk here, walk there. Uh, he was strategized in how that was going to get done. He invested uh, in a lot of planning and enlistment of personnel and all of that. And it was his purpose in life, and he made that uh, in the forefront. He was warned of trials and persecution, Acts chapter 20. Uh, we can see that. And despite those warnings, he never wavered in his conviction his commitment and his conviction to fulfill that will. No matter what the personal consequences in his life may be, he was going to continue. Each of the ports that we mentioned that referred to here, to here talk about uh, a day's voyage. So every day uh, he continued to do and go the direction that God would have him to go. In Tyre, Paul decided to spend the rest of the week with the believers there. And there's where the Holy Spirit revealed that he shouldn't go up to Jerusalem. If we were to look at verse 4 alone, 
we would think, don't do it. Absolutely, never do it. But it's really impossible that that's the meaning uh, that is there. Because Paul was clearly acting on previous revelation from God to make his journey toward Jerusalem. Acts chapter 19 and verse 21. After these things were ended, Paul purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So here is God's Holy Spirit telling Paul to go to Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem he's going to go to Rome. It's a done deal. God has already told him that. In Acts chapter 20, 22 and 23, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there except or save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. You get this? He said, I am following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, in all these cities, everywhere I go, everyone says, you're going to go there, but it's going to be affliction for you. You're going to be bound and afflicted. So what's this all about? Well, either the Holy Spirit in verse 4 was telling the saints about what was going to happen to Paul and uh, leading them to advise against it to test Paul. And I don't think that's the case. But I think it's more likely that what was being said here is you're not to go to Jerusalem now. He sends many days after that uh, in fellowshipping with these saints and ministering there in council. And uh, then eventually he's going to go when God tells him now's the time to continue uh, your journey. Chapter 21, verse 10, And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And so, he did not tell Paul not to go. If you notice that, he didn't say don't go. He says what's going to happen if you do the go, if you're there. And I think now Paul's getting the green light and he moves on. So that was his purpose. But, you know, God doesn't just tell us to do the will of God and we analytically uh, get a hold of that and we think it through with our head. But God also puts the will of God in our heart. And notice how it was in the heart of the Apostle Paul. And Paul answered, verse 13, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not only to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. It was emotional, not merely analytical or logical. Uh, he said, this is what I want to do. I love the Lord, and I'm going to proceed regardless of any consequences. Paul's entire ministry was characterized by suffering. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. In chapter 9. Again, in chapter 9, he leaves Damascus, and he has to be lowered in a basket secretly uh, to get out of there. In Jerusalem, Paul was in great danger and had to leave as well. Uh, it says, but they went about to slay him, Acts 9 and verse 30 or 29. In Lystra, Paul was stoned and left for dead, Acts 14, 19. And in the epistle, Paul referred to a number of other incidents of sufferings, and those that are not even recorded in the book of Acts. He says hunger and thirst, and he was naked and buffeted. He talks about being reviled and persecuted, made as the filth of the world. 
He talks about always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. And death worketh in us, but life in you. We did that. We died to ourselves because we wanted to give life to you. We wanted to evangelize. We wanted to build up the saints. We wanted to invest. In 2 Corinthians 6, it says, But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. How is that? In patience, afflictions, necessities, distresses, and stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, and labors, in watchings, and in fastings. That sounds like the good life, doesn't it? Sounds like a lot of suffering. You know, oftentimes we're called to run to the battle and not to stay out of the battle. There's a reason why David and Goliath is a popular story in Sunday school. And from the pulpit. Because there's a young man that says, uh, there's a, a giant that needs to be silenced. There's a battle that needs to be won. And God is able uh, to give the victory. Never gauge the will of God for your life by the measure of comfort and security that it's going to provide. Opposition, physical, and circumstantial is part of life. And Facing that and going through that with the grace of God may be exactly what God has designed for your life to give Him glory. Well, Paul made it his priority. Notice verse 14. For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when He would not be persuaded, we ceased. He saw the will of the Lord more important than His own life. He was ready to die. Having dealt with a greater issue than death, he was ready to live. By the way, if you're ready to die, you can now live for the Lord. If, if you can take your hands off your life and say, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, uh, you do it. You know what's best. And the Apostle Paul was doing exactly that. He looked at suffering as a privilege in the will of God and not as a problem. Uh, it was an inseparable part of what God had called him to do. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Philippians 1.29 He wanted the fellowship of His sufferings. He was not distracted or detoured uh, in any way from doing it. Nothing would do that. The disciples saying, you know, don't go, that didn't stop Him. Uh, the comforts of the home at, at, at Philip's house, uh, that didn't stop Him. You know, sometimes comfort gets in the way. Here we have a prophet, Agabus, that comes and uh, says, here's what's going to happen. Again, Agabus didn't say don't go, but many people assumed for the sake of comfort and for the sake of security, and because they loved the Apostle Paul, uh, that they didn't want him to go through that. And say, they said, don't go, don't go. Stay the course, Paul did. He already got a word from God. And uh, by the way, if you've got a word from God in the word of God and somebody comes along and says they're a prophet and uh, we have an Old Testament story about that that I don't want to get into right now. We have time. But uh, I'm telling you something. Uh, there's no genuine prophet that ever contradicts the clear word of God. And so he says, no, uh, Agabus, you didn't tell me not to go and I already know I'm going to suffer. So here I am. The saints in both cities came to the conclusion on their own that he shouldn't go. They were unanimous and they were wrong. 
They were trying to look out for Paul's best interest. They cared about him. They didn't want to see him suffer. I'm going to tell you, uh, out of seminary, I was counseled by a godly mentor uh, to take a church and not to plant a church. And I really believed it was God's will for us to plant the church. You know why I think they counseled that way? Because they knew it was going to be difficult. They knew the area we were going to was going to be hard. And they didn't want to see us have to go through that. I was counseled not to come to Maranatha. I don't mean as a student. I mean as a president. And uh, the person that counseled that way was concerned about me. And they even said that. They, They were concerned about health, and they were concerned about problems, they were concerned about uh, this and that, okay? And uh, they said it's going to be difficult, and I'm thinking, well, uh, what does that have to do with the price of eggs? They were wrong. And I see that now, and I'm sure glad that I'm here. We take a look at this chapter, and it it tells us how in the plan of God and the purpose of God the gospel made its way to Rome. You wouldn't have expected it to be in this fashion, but that's how it happened. The Holy Spirit was working and informing Paul of his fate so that he could be an example to the saints. He wasn't getting new information. They were hearing about it and seeing that Paul was going to go in spite of that. And the saints were to learn from that. They were to learn from his commitment. And many of the brethren of the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul, if you can do it, and God can use you, God can use us as well. They looked at Paul's attitude towards suffering. Philippians 1, 28 through through 30. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but of you of salvation and, and that of God, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So here's a man in prison writing to the Philippians saying, listen, I've been through it, and God is using me, and God can use you uh, as well. And then we see that Staying in the will of God pays off. We see what happened, Philippians 1, 12 and 13. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. Paul, don't go up to Jerusalem. You know what's going to happen? They're going to bind you and put you in prison and your ministry is going to be over. Paul, we need you. We need you on the front lines. Paul, you're never going to have another opportunity to preach. Nothing will be accomplished. And yet we know just the opposite was the fact. Uh, Because he went there, they sent him to Rome, and he's prisoned, and all the palace heard the gospel, and the Roman soldiers went out into the Roman world carrying the gospel to places Paul would have never been able to reach in his lifetime. So what about giving counsel and receiving counsel? You know, what about giving counsel? I think this should really counsel us, teach us, that we ought to give a lot less of it. Uh, We ought to volunteer a lot less counsel. Uh, Just this past week I said, uh, here, let me give you some unsolicited advice. (laughs) 
Now I'm thinking about that. Maybe that wasn't the wisest thing to do. I will tell you this, that it's certain in my mind that if God has called you, it might not be easy. Some of you are here and you're studying for vocational ministry. Don't be deterred from that. I can tell you about a young lady who believed that God had called her to the mission field. She wanted to be used in that way. And uh, and she met a young man, and the young man, you know, he was a good young man, but he wasn't called to the ministry that she believed God wanted her to be in. And I believe I gave her good counsel when I said, has God changed his will for you? Are you certain about what God has put in your heart? Yes. That relationship got broken up. And now she is married and on the mission field where God has called her. Is staying in the will of God regardless of the circumstances. Some of you didn't know what you were getting into when you came to Maranatha as a student. You're here now and you've had a week and you've got all the assignments from the class. You say, oh boy, I'm homesick. I want out of here. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. God called you here. God has a purpose. Just because it might get hard doesn't mean it's not God's will. It may be exactly God's will and likely is for you to continue right on and grow in God's grace, be strengthened uh, through the trials. I can tell you, my wife and I were talking about somebody the other day. He was in my church in Michigan. He believed that he got saved and believed that God had called him uh, to ministry. He wanted to come to Maranatha. And I kept saying, when are you going to go? And he said, I'm looking for a sign. I said, John, a sign, you know, what is that? And we talked about that for a minute. And uh, I said, you're not going to get it. Anyway, he came walking into my office carrying a one-way sign that he had run over with his truck in the parking lot. And he's, he's in there and he's saying, Pastor, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean it. I, I, and uh, I said, well, John, you asked God for a sign. There it is. <laughs> now that's funny, but you know what? He didn't get the message. And because he didn't get the message, his whole life went in a direction that he regrets. He's no longer married, a lot of trouble, and it all could have been much different if he'd have come and followed what he was had in his heart, what God was moving uh, him to do. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't you change your purpose. And don't, don't change it because you think it might be more difficult. There's not a person on our faculty staff, frankly, in particular in this economy, that couldn't make more money somewhere else. And if you're here for the American dream... You got to wake up. Because you go all through life and all you have is comfort and security and money. It's all going to be gone. And you're going to say, Why didn't I invest my life more strategically to the advantage of the will of God? Put yourself in a place where you have to get stretched. Put yourself in a place where you have to depend upon God. Don't look for the easiest way. Look for the way in which God can be glorified through Him using His strength through your life. That's what it's all about. That's what life's all about. 
It's glorifying Him, not finding our own way and our own pleasure and exalting our own name. How about you? Why are you here? I'm here because I don't know how I got here. Well, figure it out. Understand that you're in a place where you can blossom in the will of God, understanding His will and investing it for life. I'm thankful that, and I know not everyone's going to meet a spouse here. I'm not, you know, we joke about that a little bit, and sometimes it's not funny to people, but I am certainly glad that I came to Maranatha and found someone that wanted to embark upon the adventure of faith with me to glorify the Lord. Invest rightly. Don't be detoured from the will of God. The will of the Lord be done. Do it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to represent you and to do your will. Enable us, I pray, to do it in the most difficult of circumstances as necessary. And Lord, I know that I've communicated but one side of this truth. Certainly, Lord, you, you, you not only are with us through difficulties, but you give us joy and purpose. And Lord, to, to know your presence is a wonderful thing in life. It's a great assurance. It gives great confidence and bears great fruit. I pray that these students would know that. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.